Podcast is about taking media action. Find the problem, fix the problem. This is your opportunity. It's either a hell yes or a fuck no. It's that simple. <laughs> now is the time to take action. Now is the time to do more and be more. So, welcome to Tango One Podcast. I'm Tony Smith. I'm a retired cop and tactic team leader, currently the owner of the Garage Gym Strength and Conditioning and Tango One Solutions. I'm joined every week by my co host. Fireman and garage gym trainer Casey Wright. Our mission is to challenge you every week to do more and be more and to take action against your problems and weaknesses. Today we are joined by Pete Shaw, CrossFit Games competitor. He's from Ottawa, Ontario, and he's the co-owner of CrossFit NCR. He's a bit, like I said, a games competitor. He's also part of the CrossFit seminar team. So thanks for coming on, Pete. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, boys. Looking forward to chatting, man. So you competed in 2020, right? Yeah, just this past year. Where was the games held this last year? Oh, it was, it was actually held in a couple different places. So the games was held. The, the final was held in Aromas at the ranch, which is the original, the, the original location of the first CrossFit Games. Right. So the top, the top five women and the top five men went to the ranch for the final. Originally, it was supposed to be the top 30 that went there, and that included myself. Um, and then last minute, because of COVID, uh, the, their county uh, in California, where they are in Aromas, uh, didn't allow them to have that many competitors, that many people there. So last minute, they had to make a switch. So we had sort of like a, like a prelim competition on, at, at our respective gyms on location. So I essentially competed alone here at my gym uh we recorded everything uh it was very very well thought out it was really cool how they organized it and you know we had the we had as many people as we could with social distancing rules and all that come and cheer on they flew in uh, a judge to come judge me and uh and we got the workout done and then you know we, we send everything in for video review and it's pretty cool so you can go online you can google or go on youtube and google cross the games and uh 25 of the competitors only have their performances in their own gyms. And then from that stage, the top five of each men and women went to Aromas to compete in the final, the in-person final. So it's kind of, you know, I guess it happened everywhere. Very cool. Did you find that kind of a good or like advantage being in your home gym or were you kind of a little bit bummed that you weren't in the big like Coliseum basically that they have for the games? It was, it was cool. It was cool to have it at the home gym for sure. Um, just because, you know, it's not every day like your friends and family, like your entire friends and family, like get to come watch you compete at the highest level, right? Like you go, if you travel, usually for these big competitions, a few people can come and that's about it. Uh, you don't get these big groups. So that was really cool. It was a nice opportunity for the community. I, you know, I felt more or less comfortable. The disadvantage was like, as a gym owner, 
uh, as part owner of CrossFit NCR, I felt like a little bit responsible for my own competition, which wasn't ideal. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like I wanted to partly run it, partly compete. So as much as my business partners were doing an awesome job and one of them was, was my coach last year, they were like, they were running the show and stuff. I, you just can't help like start thinking logistics and, and stuff and which obviously you shouldn't be if you're trying to, if you're trying to compete. And, um, generally my strengths in CrossFit are, uh, are the workouts that happen like outside, lots of running, hot objects, things like that. And generally the tests within the gym are, you know, more barbell cycling, classic gymnastics and classic CrossFit movements like burpees and stuff which I'm, I'm still decent at. You know, I had to do all those to get to the game. But, you know, if I had a choice, I would I would probably choose, you know, some of the events that they, they did in person at the games. Right. right. For sure. So like logistics, that must have been a, a nightmare. But I would assume it gives you some kind of advantage. I mean, I know that from the few little, like, you know, lifting competitions I've done, you, you know, when you're, like, box squatting on your own box all the time and then you go and you do a lift and that box is just, like, a quarter inch off or has a little bit more give, you have, like that familiarity, you know, is kind of gone, but sure. You know what it does? It has a level of comfort, but I wouldn't say an advantage because everyone's in the same boat, right? It's it's not like I was the only one who got to use my own barbell. Everyone else got to use their own equipment um, for the most part. So it's, uh, I wouldn't necessarily call it an advantage. Definitely increased the level of comfort and maybe, maybe brought the, maybe brought the nerves down a little bit, even though like, I was still for that first workout. My heart was going to explode out of my chest. Like it was, it was crazy, man. That first workout, yeah. I could see the lifting definitely be like similar, but I feel like it'd be hard to check out. Like, say if you had to do like a run, swim, run, or something like that, doing it on your own and in your like own location, as opposed to running like neck and neck with thirty other guys. Like, I think that'd be easier to feed off of if you're in a group. Yeah, it's actually funny. Yeah. I find the opposite. I find in the, in the crowd atmosphere with the noise, like I thrive off of, off of the cheering. So I hit those big lifts, right. uh, like even Olympic lifting, like just because I, I've been brought up and I learned Olympic lifting in like a loud atmosphere, not the classic silence of weightlifting. I, when we did, so with a strength event with a one or max front squat and, uh, like I, I hit a PR pretty much, I, I would say that pretty much everyone hit a PR, but I'm, you know, I've got the group in the background and I'm like, guys, like you got to cheer as loud as you possibly can. Like I need you to will this weight up. Right. And then, so, you know, I hit the left. Whereas these longer events, I, I feel like, and maybe it's just because it's a strength of mine is these longer, these longer endurance type events is, uh, I kind of settle into a pace. I get the blinders on and, and I just, you know, I'm in my zone. I'm just kind of dead and, and, and focused on, on keeping just a, a, the same pace the entire time. So I don't necessarily need those people beside me to push on that. So let's go back. So you said, I think in uh, your bio, I was reading it, you started CrossFit in 2014? Yeah, so I joined, I joined our gym, uh, the gym that I co-own right now. I joined it as a member in 2014. Uh, actually, I joined it in 2013, about halfway through the year. Um, before that, I was doing CrossFit. So I've been doing CrossFit since about 2010. Uh, but just through the website, the main website, CrossFit.com. I, 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 I actually, my neighbor was a firefighter, uh, Casey, and he, he, he walked over and she's like, hey, all the dudes at the station are doing this like crazy thing called CrossFit. Like, you should check it out. A bunch of military dudes are doing it. At the time, I was playing hockey and 
and he he saw me every day training in my dad's like garage gym. So he walked over, told me about this. I was like, oh, it sounds really cool. This is exactly what I need. Like military, you know, firefighter, first responder, like all around strength and endurance. Is to me that seemed like the perfect transferability to like being a hockey player because that. Hockey is like a very well-rounded sport in terms of athleticism and, and all that strength endurance. So I started dabbling with it, and then you know, fast forward a few years, you graduate university, and then and I, you know, I, I find out that there's CrossFit gyms that exist. So I'm like, holy shit! Like this is this is way bigger than I thought. It's not just a website. So I started in 2013, and then 2014, I started working here as a as a personal trainer, and then I did my first uh, competition. And then, so between 2014 and then becoming like the 29th fittest man in the world, like how, how much work you must have, like one thing that amazed me about CrossFit is, you know, I've dabbled in it. We primarily were bench deadlift squat gym here. And what amazes me about CrossFit is, is like to improve your bench deadlift and squat takes so much work, but now you now you got to implement all these other movements. Like how what does a typical training day look like for somebody who's going to the games or training week? Maybe is probably a better, like your splits. It's, it's evolved. It's evolved to be honest. Um, it's, it's what a training week looks like. It's evolved over the course of the past, uh, you know, seven, eight years of my, my training career. Like when I first, when I first started out, like I was, just trying to absorb as much as possible. I didn't know what I was doing. And I was just following the two guys that, that founded this gym, Paul Tremblay, Reza Mashkuri. You know, I showed up and they were the the guys that were, they were sort of this shit, you know, like they, everyone in Ottawa was like, these are the guys that, that are the best across it. Like they went to the CrossFit Games as a, on a team in 2012. And, uh, and so everyone wanted to learn from them. So including myself. So I walked in and I was like, and I found out, you know, I found out that there was CrossFit gyms. I also found out that there was like the open and the CrossFit game. So I was like done with hockey. I'm like, shit, I'm still itching to compete a little bit. Like I'm going to, I'm going to try and go with this. So I walked in, I was like, guys, I want to compete. And so I've just tried to absorb as much as possible from them. Um, but I think they'll tell you as well, like in the early days, like they didn't know what they were doing either. Like it's CrossFit. It, what's interesting about CrossFit, man, is that it's such an, a new sport is that, the way to train for it is evolving constantly. And at first everyone was, everyone was bad at everything, you know, like in the early days of CrossFit, like even at the CrossFit games, you look at some of those old videos of like literally people, the the fittest people in the world for that year by CrossFit standards. And we get, we people in our gym here just coming in, like hitting one workout a day and like working at a, you know, working a normal job with like three kids and they're fitter than those people that were winning the game back in like 2009. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, for sure. The, the evolution is, is, has just been pushed so much. And so not like, it looks nothing now like it did before, but I can tell you now, like even like, you're right. There's a lot of stuff. So you gotta, you gotta hit it all. But the, the nice thing about all these movements is, I mean, you guys know this squat, bench, deadlift, like these are functional movements. There's transferability between movements. Like you get good at bench press, you're going to get good at pushups. You're going to get good at dips. You're going to get good at, you get good at bench press and pull-ups. You're going to get good at muscle-ups, right? So it's every, and the list goes on and on. Like all you got to do is work on, on technique a little bit. And all of a sudden you have a, a good snatch, right? Like obviously it's, it's, there's more to it than just snapping your fingers. You got to practice it. 
but the transferability of movement allows you to not have to train everything every single day. And if you're smart with your training and you plan it out appropriately, then you can get the most bang for your buck. And, and the number one thing is just working on your weaknesses, right? And it's the same thing. You, you look at like you guys are powerlifting gym. So I use the, the West side barbell analogy. Like you talk to Louis Simmons, like what's he going to be doing? He's going to find the weakness on the lifter. Like where is it there? You know, is it there? pull off the floor on the deadlift is it the lockout like what's the issue is it the upper back starts to round too much like okay well let's hammer that let's in the accessory work we're going to hammer the the weaknesses we're going to crank the upper back strength we're going to work uh, hip uh, hip thrust and glute bridges to get that lockout strength at the top right it's the same thing in crossfit but you work on those those weaknesses that are your the movements are your weaknesses or the movement combinations and Generally speaking, if you attack those weaknesses and focus more on those than your strengths, then overall you're gonna you're gonna get fitter, right? Because it's a it's a it's a it's an evaluation of your fitness across all these modalities. So you don't necessarily need to work on too much your strength because you're already really good at it. You got to bring up your weaknesses because they're what they're what's dragging you down in in the overall. I love that you're saying that right such now. A, Everybody a, listen up. Yeah, such a simple concept or theory, but it's so difficult sometimes for people to do because it's like you want to do things you're good at. You want to continue to improve like that one lift or something because it gives you that like gratification and like I'm doing something good, but being able to like acknowledge your weakness, stepping back and doing it and then now improving on it. Like those are things that become like your strengths and then these things that you were great and love to do are now going to peak and get even higher because you fix that weakness in the back. That's ex that's exactly it. It's it's crazy. It's crazy when you actually focus on that stuff and and you know you put your you know you put your strengths in the shelf for like two three weeks a month maybe you know a little more you touch it here and there but you don't really train it and then you like hammer your weaknesses and all of a sudden you hit a PR and something you haven't touched in a while it's a strength and you're like holy shit like what I do you know some it's like this must be magic no you like you just you worked on the things that you sucked at and you got a little better at them. Right. Um, but like, I'll tell you right now, it's, it's not, uh, it's not easy to work on your weaknesses day in and day out. Like it's, it takes a toll mentally. So sometimes you got to throw in that, you know, that carrot for the athlete. Like I know I've got a, I have a different coach this year. But my business partner was my coach for the previous like uh, four years, and we would have daily conversations about this. I'd be like, you know, I'd be like, dude, you're you're killing me on these on these weaknesses. Like mentally, I'm just drained. Like I can't I can't go into the gym and do another just workout that I just suck at so much, right? Like throw me a bone here for a little bit. He'd be like, okay, so we back off a bit, and then we come at it again. But that's uh, that's the mentality you have to have a little bit. Yeah. Well, even running the gym, like I, our gym is a community based gym, just like yours. Like we train here mostly primarily in groups. And that's the thing. Like you want to make these people stronger. You know that, you know, we need to, you know, let's say like get everybody's hamstrings a little bit stronger, their glutes a little bit stronger so we can deadlift a little bit more. However, there's a certain point where like the main contributing factor to success, I, no matter what level, in my opinion, is going to be that consistency. And if you can keep people coming back, happy and enjoying their workout, they're going to come back and get better, like, you know, just real natural in a natural way. So there's, there's that fine line. I can only imagine when you're training uh, with that kind of modality, that kind of uh, level. 
that you and how important is your coach like that's what we try to preach you know i have a coach you have a coach it's great to hear that you say that too yeah yeah the coach is huge like it's just a, it's an unbiased the coach is just that unbiased uh opinion that unbiased uh you know programming mindset whether it's programming they're helping you with whether it's uh, you know, analyzing your results, whether it's like giving you that extra little push, that motivation psychologically to help you take it to the next step. Like it's super, super important. And what's funny is I used to personally think that for me, I didn't need a coach. And, you know, I sort of took on that role for other people in the gym. I was a coach and, and, um, you know, I guess back in the day, I, I didn't formally view them as coaches, but my training partners, I, I had training partners that I, I worked with and worked out with almost every single day. And these were my business partners and some other guys and girls, you know, they, they became sort of the coaching crew, right? Like we coached each other. We helped each other out. We were all coaches and leaders in the community. And, and, you know, it wasn't a single person that was, you know, helping me with my technique or my, my programming or my workouts. We all worked on it as a group and we'd all we don't hold each other accountable at this point. You know, we don't, the way that we run the gym and sort of our, our lifestyle and, you know, we've all got kids now and stuff. We, it's less, we can't, it's harder to make the, the schedules match up. So there's less training together. Um, so now I've gone out and I've hired a coach, but it's, it's still just as important, right? When you lose that feedback, then you realize how important it really is. Not just the accountability, but just that, that person to look objectively at your results and how you're doing in these workouts and saying like, this is what you need rather than me looking at it and being like, I felt good or bad on these days. And this is what I should do next. Sometimes how you feel isn't really what you should be doing. Right. You need to, you got to look at the data and say, okay, this is the, the data is telling a story and I, this is going to push me in the right direction. Good. How do you find that um, you manage kind of your days in the way of like, separating when you're training for yourself or training other people or managing the gym do you have times where you'll like just work out with the class or do you um just set aside your own hour like because i know when working with the class sometimes you get caught up in like okay i'm gonna skip this sex i need to go coach over here and it's you don't fully get your own like best workout um what do you do for kind of maintaining that um so it's, a, it's definitely, it's a little, it looks different now with COVID, right? Uh, everyone's, we're in lockdown in Ontario. And so everyone's at home and we kind of, we have been in and out of lockdown the entire year. Um, you know, middle of the season, last season, like I was training for the games and we were in lockdown and I was just training at home, like trying to train for the CrossFit game. So it looks different now. Um, what it looks like right now is, is because we're prescribing at home more or less body weight or limited equipment workouts for our athletes. Um, those aren't the workouts that I'm doing. I, I need to, like we talked about earlier, Tony, we, I need to make sure that I'm touching all those movements that I need to, to compete at the highest level. So sometimes I'm throwing in, maybe I'm throwing in the, uh, a body weight workout like that once in a while, but it, it, you know, to join the community and, and to, to, you know, chat with everyone and to just be part of the group. But for the most part, I'm, I'm sort of following I'm my own, my own programming and I'm marching to the beat of my own drum a little bit just for the sake of the season. Uh, typically COVID free, 
situation, right? Well, the gym would be buzzing. I'd coach a couple classes. There'd be some time in between for training. We'd have an open gym. And within that, that open gym session, maybe some people would jump in training with me. We might do the class workout. We might do something else. And, uh, and you know, most days I would jump in on a class workout. So, you know, the programming for the last like four years, I said that my business partner was my, my coach. He also programmed for the gym. So, um, one of the workouts that was included in my programming on a daily basis was the gym workout. So I would jump in with the class. I would maybe coach a class and then anything else over and above that I would sort of do in the open gym time. And I would invite whoever, you know, had the time uh, available to them to to work out with me. And that's kind of, you know, now COVID I've got a kid now it's, it's a different management system. So we'll see how right now it's working right now. I've got set time that I work out. Uh, I've got a shed at home that's filled with uh, equipment that I, I try to get to sometimes. Um, once in a while, I'll pop into the gym here and I try to balance between those two things. I'll usually work at one session at 6 a.m. and then another session uh, mid-morning after I drop the kid off at, uh, at daycare or if he doesn't have daycare, then he'll hang out with me and I'll, I'll, I'll work out a second time while he naps and then uh, and balance it just like that. So We'll, we'll see. This is the first. It's, he actually just started daycare and he's going into his second week. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see if the routine can can stick to it. Right. <laughs> well, yeah. This is like in theory, this is how it's going to work. But we'll we'll see the wife. The wife is finishing math leave, too. So she's going back to work next week. And uh, and we just spent like the last couple of weeks just like ironing out the schedule, you know. Yeah, I've yeah, got, got two little boys, boys man, and myself. myself. They've, They've grown, grown up, up in this gym. Like, they're here constantly. It was actually when my second boy was old enough to go to school. school. I was kind of bummed, kind of bummed out that he wasn't always tagging along with me, doing, doing his, his little, like, like, you know, flipping his little tire and jumping on the boxes while I'm working out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, he'll be a gym rat for sure. Yeah. Last question before we move on to, like, kind of like the stuff that you're really working on and the stuff I really want to hit on. Okay. It's the 2021 games. You've got to. What is the one big lift you're looking like you're hoping that's the number they're going to call? And what's the one you're hoping they're not going to call? What's your lift of choice? Uh, so like in terms of like movement or like workout, like type of workout. Let's go with movement. Movements because that's more what we're in. Okay. So let's see. So it's the 2021 game. COVID's gone. Stadium's full. What's the, what's the event you're hoping for? The one that, the one that I want them to 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 call i'm gonna say a uh i'm gonna say a one max deadlift nice one one max deadlift deadlift for my strength for for pure as far as like a pure strength movement um for a totally different reason like i i feel like i've improved a lot on my on my snatch lately it used to be a weakness but I haven't been able to to really show off my improvement in it lately. So, cause I didn't really have it in the, in the season last year, like tested of like the highest level. So I, uh, I'd enjoy that just because I want to test myself on it. Um, the one I least want to see, um, probably like a one rim max jerk. I'm not great. I'm not great at, at heavy shoulder to overhead for, for one rep. I'm working on it though. We got it's on the list of things that are that we're working on on a regular basis. So maybe by the time twenty twenty one rolls around, I'll have a different answer for you. That's the plan, right? But right now, it's, it's a little bit on the low side. 
I love the answer with that snatch. That's awesome. I'm going to read in an ad real quick. So if you guys want to just take a second to refill your drinks, I got to, we're in a different studio today. I got to turn my head here. Uh, Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? And will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation change? When you work with Stephen Kidd, your local Edward Jones financial advisor, he focuses on what's important to you. You'll work together and use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And you'll partner to help your strategy stay on track. Contact Stephen Kidd today at 519-734-8599. That's 519-734-8599. Edward Jones, member Canadian Investor Protection Fund. All right, let's keep rolling here. So, man, you've been uh, really like getting some news. Uh, I actually I did a cool interview today on Sirius XM, and uh, I did an interview in Ottawa last week. So it's it's like that's how uh, John Mack kind of connected the two of us, which is fantastic. And you're like making headway, which I love. You have like a little bit of a medical background, right? And your wife is a doctor. And let's just talk about that, like pushing the gyms through this COVID and how we can get to being reopen with some, you know, maybe some changes in how we do things. Yeah, totally. So, um, I mean, at the, the beginning of the, the pandemic, you know, we had mass shutdowns in, in uh, Ontario of, of gyms and restaurants and everything. We just went to full lockdown. And I mean, like that was to us, that was totally reasonable. And we didn't know anything about this, this virus and everyone was, was scared. And it was just sort of um, precautionary principle. Let's just lock everything down and see sort of what happens with this as we get more data and, and info coming out of it, the, the way the virus behaves and all this. And so, um, you know, moving from that first lockdown, you know, we started to open back up and they implemented uh, different strategies for every business, not just gyms, but every business to, to sort of mitigate the, the spread of COVID. What I found it really interesting was what we were seeing and what we still see in the data is that comorbidities play a huge role in COVID outcomes. So we're seeing a high percentage of deaths and even hospitalizations and ICU admittance um, coming from people that have comorbidities, um, mainly uh, metabolic diseases like hypertension, type 2 diabetes, etc., and what we know about fitness is that we know that fitness can, in a lot of cases, completely reverse these diseases, right? And that would be, you know, reversing the disease as sort of a long-term uh, outcome. But even in the short term, we can do things like, you know, and we know this and the data is out there that like people with, with high blood sugar, high blood glucose, and hyperinsulinemia, type 2 diabetes... Like we can start to lower blood sugar levels permanently uh, with just good nutrition and exercise within, you know, two to three weeks. So within the very short term, if we know that high blood sugar is something that correlates with negative COVID-19 outcomes, and we have two very easy things, good nutrition and exercise that can lower that uh, hyperglycemia, right? The idea here is that we'll have less hospitalization, we'll have less ICU admittance, and we'll have less deaths. 
right? And what we were hearing from the, the politicians that were going on the radio every single day, we were not hearing that message. We weren't hearing it from public health. All we were hearing, which is still a great message, masks, social distancing, hygiene. Very, three very important factors to mitigate spread. We need masks. We need to have the social distancing and we need to have the hygiene. But what's another thing that you could be preaching that is a very simple intervention for people to help increase their chances of survival if they, if they get COVID, if they get this virus? It's going to be healthy eating, maybe lowering alcohol intake a little bit and, you know, uh, exercise. And so the message just wasn't, wasn't out there. And so we started thinking, we're like, how do we, how do we get the message to, to the politicians that, that this is an important thing? And it's not just about the message because at this point they are, starting to talk a little bit about, okay, we got to get outside and go for walks, right? Mental health is a huge factor and mental health aspects of exercise have have played a huge role and have come to the forefront of the, of the COVID conversation Um, simply because we've seen obviously suicide rates have increased throughout the pandemic because people aren't socializing as much. They're, they're locked up. We're seeing people losing sort of their sense of purpose because of maybe losing jobs or um, not being able to stay into their daily routine. So the mental health aspect has, has come to the forefront of the conversation, and this is a lot of the reason why we're hearing public health uh, preach, get outside, do some exercise outside. But the bottom line is that uh, gym owners and you know uh, community gym facilities like ourselves, we're leaders in these industries, and if we if we aren't allowed to um, to spread that message and educate people and and aren't supported to stay open uh, in the long term, even even if even if it's only the same people coming into the gym. Post pandemic, that's gonna that's gonna have huge detrimental effect on health outcomes for for generations to come. If all of a sudden all the gyms are are wiped out because they haven't survived the pandemic or because people are afraid to go into them. Now you know it's a multi. It's a it's sort of a multifactorial thing because the Ontario government has done a really good job of providing financial support for us. We're very lucky in the, the United States. Uh, uh, a lot of gyms in the states are not as lucky. They haven't been provided the financial support, so their numbers are dwindling. There's businesses going, uh, sorry, gyms going out of business all the time. In Ontario, we've been lucky with the financial support, but I feel strongly that gyms have something to offer the community in terms of directly correlating uh, to a positive COVID outcome. And the one thing that I, that I think of here is someone who needs someone who has hyperglycemia and needs to lower their blood sugar to get healthier. Typically this population isn't going to start an exercise and nutrition uh, intervention on their own virtually in their house. They need a community. They need help from a coach, like we had talked about earlier. The leadership, the guidance, the uh, the education, right? And often that that one-on-one human interaction, even if it's six feet away with a mask, right? They need that interaction to motivate themselves to walk in through the door and stick to something that's gonna gonna make them feel healthier. And so once people start to realize that this is a 
such an important thing and we cannot we cannot move forward only thinking of fitness as a recreational uh, a recreational activity but instead as an essential tool to increase the the health of the community and to to actually lower the burden on the healthcare system once we realize that then we can start talking to uh, the public health officials, the, the government officials, about how to implement robust COVID protocols on sort of a sliding scale that allow us to keep safe in the community during this pandemic, right? Instead of these blanket shutdowns that just sort of, you know, they, they disrupt business, uh, people, people fall off the wagon, people that are very regimented in their, in their exercise routine tons of them go home and their their blood sugars go up they put on 15 pounds that in, that increases their chances of negative covid outcomes should they contract the virus right and so for example we haven't we haven't been told we have to wear a mask during exercise yet what's the, like i would be glad to come into the gym and do some low intensity exercise with a mask for an hour and I'm sure tons of people would, right? Why hasn't this been implemented into the sliding scale of COVID protocol? Why haven't we been allowed to even just increase the distance, right? We're, we're ordering, um, what's one thing that CrossFit uh, Home Office has done, which is great. Um, my wife is on the uh, medical advisory board for CrossFit, and, and they put together a basically a COVID protocol uh, list for gyms. A, a lot of them in Ontario, I know, are, are following them. Uh, many just have a couple points that are, are maybe off. They're pretty much the Ontario regulations as it stands, um, but there's a couple extra things. The really important one is a CO2 uh, monitor, a CO2 detector, right? And a CO2 detector, it detects how much expiration of CO2, right, is in the environment. That would have a direct correlation the higher to uh, potential COVID transmission, right? If you have more a higher concentration of CO2 in your room in your in your building, right? You can you can assume that people are exhaling more of their air right into the environment, and that could potentially increase uh, COVID transmission. So there's there was a um, there's actually an airborne virus expert, an engineer in Virginia who who helped out uh, come up with these COVID protocols, and they did some tests and. And the CO2 monitor is a completely legit way to to measure this, um, but these standards haven't been set by by the Ontario government, right? And so our goal is to is to a convince them how important we are to the communities in terms of health and wellness, right? And and then b once they once they agree that we're worth the time, let's have a conversation about some of these extra things that we can put into our gym to keep COVID transmission down so that we can continue operating at a, at a high level and continue keeping the community as healthy as possible. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. The physical side of things, like all these things make all the sense in the world. The, the upscale, the increasing somebody's metabolism, keeping them healthier, stronger. For me, like uh, as that longtime police officer, I can say that coming off of like you know, going to a fatality or finding a, somebody hanging in a closet, going to the gym was my outlet after my shift or during my shift. And, and I, 
you know, I used to think that those like that kind of stress level was really peaked only for police officers, fire, you know, all those, you know, that you're seeing like in comparison to, but you can't compare stress from one person to the other. So my peak stress level with a dead body is the same peak stress level with somebody who, you know, just had something that maybe their memo was late. It just doesn't, to me, it didn't seem as important, but if that's their peak stress level, that's their peak stress level. And then when they came home for work that day, at, you know, they're not gonna hit the gym now at 5.30 for, and go see their friends for an hour, take the exercise out of that, just seeing your friends for an hour and just laughing. But now throw exercise into that, you've like now set them up to go home, get their stuff ready for their next day of work, get themselves to bed rather than come home, make dinner and pour a bottle of wine, which just leads to the added, like you're saying, from the physical standpoint, the long-term effects of these closures are going to affect us, but also from that mental standpoint. And then that turns into physical. Now when you're, you know, you're consuming too much booze, drugs, whatever is going to happen or, or any other negative vice for that matter comes from these kinds of situations. So I really hope that, you know, and anything I can do to help you for sure, like this, I know we got a great community down here in Windsor. We got like 30 gyms. We randomly like put a chair, not randomly, we put a charity together, but like right before this all happened and we all did this charity work together. And now it's, it's become like a coalition to help us to support each other in every way that we can. So let us know what we can do. And I know we got your letter down here. We're going to try to start to get some people to sign that thing. Yeah. And the more, and that's sort of the bottom line too, is like working together. Right. And it's, you know, uh, policy gets changed because of uh, public opinion, right? And so, if enough people stand up and say something, then uh, then they've got no choice but but to listen. And you know, sort of like the 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 mental health aspect is is so huge, so huge, and, and that's why I think it's come to the forefront of the of the conversation. Um, they're so focused on they're so focused, unfortunately, on those specific the covid numbers like right those case the caseload numbers like the hospitalization numbers and like and it seems to make sense like if we can come up with a way if we can convince them that we can literally have an effect on those numbers then maybe there's an argument to be made there that that we can uh, that we can we can put these covid protocols in place and stay open a, a little bit longer um, you know obviously right now the the situation in Toronto is is pretty in the Toronto area is pretty crazy. There's there's a few ICUs I know that are that are full beyond capacity, and they're 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 starting to install the the field hospitals in in Burlington, and and uh, you know stuff is getting out of control. So you know there's a time and a place for this stuff, and we're, and the argument is not to stay open at all costs. Like you know it becomes it comes a point where COVID cases are so high and deaths are out of control, we can't. You know, it doesn't make sense to stay open in, in, the, in certain scenarios, but there's a lot of scenarios. Um, and even up in Ottawa here, like we were we were doing very well for a while. And, and uh, the Ford government had implemented this this graded uh, regional approach. The green, the gray. We were, you know, we were from and just like, nope, whole province, boom. Right? And I, I can understand sort of that you know, the logic behind that because of, of Christmas coming and, and all that. But it, uh, I think, I think our, our argument warrants a, a conversation about, about it. I think it will warrant the conversation. And so I think, uh, like you said, if we can just group together and, and sort of stand up for ourselves, then that might come in the, in the near future. Definitely. So what are some things that you've kind of put in place or, 
or started to spark to get more gyms involved and get people, you know, working together towards this big kind of not so much argument. It's more just trying to really promote it to government officials to really start to see some of these stats that, you know, are making a positive kind of prevention measure for everybody. Yeah. Well, one of the main things, um, in terms of, in terms of the gyms themselves, just reaching out to people and, uh, and, and obviously like I'm part of a couple Facebook groups that, um, include a lot of gym owners in, in Ontario and, and sort of through those Facebook groups, you know, people sort of latch onto the message and they agree with it. And then they go to other people and you guys found out, um, you know, from some gym owners that were in this group and et cetera, et cetera. And obviously the news comes out and that helps. So, um, the media is the media, like social media and mainstream media is a huge, is a huge factor. Because right? obviously I don't have the time to, to call up every single person and be like, this is my, this is my stance. Do you agree with me? Right. So the media plays a huge role. And, and so, you know, podcasts like this are going to obviously really help. So, you know, uh, Tony, you said you wanted to help. This is helping, right? This is, this is huge here because the message is going to get out and, and more people are going to, are going to sort of latch onto it and agree and, and feel like they can stand up. Um, but other than that, it's, it's about obviously bringing gym owners together with this, with a similar message, but then also right now, what we're trying to do is garner physician support. Because ultimately, the physicians are the ones that have the knowledge, they have the clout in the public health community, and these are the professionals that, the health professionals that the politicians are going to ultimately listen to, right? Um, they're the ones that have the community's health uh, and best interest at heart when it comes to health. And so if we if we get them, if we can get them to basically like you said not argue but promote this conversation right of health through fitness then all of a sudden maybe we're going to start to see uh some some uh policymakers turn their heads and say okay maybe we should listen to these guys you know we have uh we've got, they've, they've got like 50 to you know 200 physicians now that are saying the same thing um from all different uh, you know, all different types of practices. Uh, and then from there, I, I think maybe there's going to be some conversations that are had that will start moving things in the right direction. Um, but those are, those are pretty much the, the main things that I'm focused on right now. Yeah. I just really hope that the, you know, the government and sees like leadership truly isn't just, it doesn't mean saying yes to us. It means, you know, it means listening it means considering and like you, you're not as a leader ever going to be the most educated person in the room. So listen to those people that do have a higher base knowledge and then making an educated decision based on all those, you know, submissions on what is the best plan. And then I feel like not reevaluating that plan is really what's kind of compromising people's safety, compromising our health and compromising the economy. And I, I really hope that they start to reconsider those things. So speaking of finances and insurance, Murray Insurance. This episode of the Tango One Podcast is sponsored by Murray Insurance and Financial Services in Kingsville, Ontario. They are Southwestern Ontario's number one ranked Desjardins insurance agency by their clients and owned by Garage Gym Kingsville OGs, Ian and Kara Murray. Ian and Kara's team pride themselves on many of the high standards that the Garage Gym members have come to expect. 
They are experts in their industry. They have the best customer service in the industry, including claims concierge service, which is exclusive to their clients. And they focus on community, employing local team members and investing back into the Essex County community. They are a one-stop shop for everything to protect you, your family, and your assets with the best policies in the industry. They even have incredible rates, especially when you combine your home, auto, and other insurance policies together with them. Give their team a call today or send them a text at 519-733-2331. All right, we're back. <laughs> All right, so man, in closure, it, what, what is the ultimate success in terms of you for this year from a personal standpoint uh, is the greater focus on, you know, I guess it's got to be a balance because I know you want both of these things. And I love to see somebody who's being as successful as you in your games, which you could continue to train for without fighting for everybody else to be open. So that's very selfless of you. What though is your number one goal for this year? Oh man. <laughs> that's a, uh... You're not gonna like this answer, man, because it's both. It's both, like honestly, and I know I can do both. So that's the that's the thing is is for me, it's always been a balance. It's always been a balance, and and you know I I came into CrossFit, you know, wanting to become a wanting to make it to the CrossFit Games, and it took me you know seven years plus to do it, and, and you know. It's and you know I wanted to become the best coach in the world, and now I'm. I'm far from the best coach in the world, but at least, uh, you know, I can say that I'm very proud to be part of the, uh, the CrossFit seminar staff, which a lot of people, especially in the CrossFit world, consider some of the best coaches in the world are on that team. And so I get to learn from, from the best there. And, you know, I, I own a cross part owner of a CrossFit gym and it's for me, my priority is being able to juggle all these things and, what's nice about them is, is that they all kind of blend together, right? Is, is like for me to be able to, to be my best version of myself, husband, father, now, um, affiliate owner, coach, athlete, I need to be able to, to spend time in these other domains, uh, because it allows me to just sort of refocus my mind a little bit. If I, you know, some of that stuff fell by the wayside and uh, during during the first wave of COVID and, and all I was doing, I was focusing on being an athlete, trying to get ready for the games. And Sometimes that can be more stressful because when you're not training, you think like, damn, I should be training. Like, I should be training. You're like, what can I do now to make myself better, right? When really you should just do nothing. It's like, okay, well, what are you going to do with your time? It's like, oh, okay, well, I could fight for some Ontario gyms. I could, I can, you know, work on my, my own gym a little bit, et cetera, et cetera. I could, you know, we could do some family stuff. So the priority is all of it. The priority is I'm going to, I'm going to make it back to the game. I'm going to be the best dad I can possibly be for my son. I'm going to try and be the best husband as possible, uh, as possible. My wife's going back to work, so she's coming off mat leave. So, you know, I, I made a New Year's resolution to be uh, an awesome uh, part-time stay-at-home dad. I'm, uh, you know, I'm going to try to continue working on my craft as a coach. We're doing less seminars now that COVID is here. And when you're doing tons of seminars, it becomes very easy to, to stay in the groove because you're just constantly coaching, right? And now that there's less coaching to be done, my goal is to just sort of set aside a bit of time to make sure that I, I sharpen the, 
the axe a little bit in the coaching side of things. And it's all, it's, it's all, they're all very, very important to me. And the lucky thing is, like I said, they all feed into one another. So I don't think that it's unrealistic to, to try to strive for all those things. Good man. And how you say something is how you do it too. And I love how you didn't say I want to be you. I am, I will be in the games. I will be the best father. Like those are the, that's, I think that's huge. So, okay. All right, man. So if uh, somebody wanted to get a hold of you, reach out to you to for, for coaching or for help or just in general, we'll have this in the show notes, but what's the best way to do that? Yeah, honestly, just, uh, just my Instagram. You can just, it's a public profile. So you can just reach out on uh, like hit me up in my slide into my DMs, you know, uh, at Pete Shaw for the number four, uh, all one word there. And, and I'll, I always answer. So just, uh, just get in there, send me a message and, uh, and I'll hit you back up. Good, man. Thank you so much. Congratulations for all your successes and uh, good luck because the maternity leave, the back from leave thing is an adjustment. I'll tell you that. Brace yourself. You got this. <laughs> oh, thanks, Lana. Yeah, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. <laughs> all right, man. And that's a wrap. Cheers. Very nice to meet you. Yeah, thanks for having me, boys. Appreciate it.